of Oakland, California, epic recording artist, Tower of Power. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, hit it. Give it more. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Path to Pro Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Hodel. On today's show, we'll be joined by one of the best young coaches in North America and current LAFC assistant, Mark Dos Santos. So let's get right into it. Joining me on the phone from Los Angeles is Mark Dos Santos. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm very good, thanks. Can you start by taking us back to your start in soccer? When did you first fall in love with the game? Is there a moment you remember? Yeah, I do. You know, my father was a, a coach in the semi-professional league uh, in, in in Canada uh, in the 80s and 90s. And he, um, it was probably a league that was is very similar to what the CPL will, will be. Um, you know, community-based league where um, there was Toronto clubs like Toronto Italia, Toronto Croatia. Uh, my father co- uh, coached the uh, Luso Stars of Montreal. It was so the the Portuguese community-based team. You know, back then a lot of people attended to the games. It was in the years that the Manic of Montreal was playing uh, in the NASL. So. Uh, that's when I, I started to fall in love with the game. I was a little kid when I joined my father in um, in training sessions uh, to go just run after the balls that were lost or, 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 or shot wide. And then once I went to Portugal with my family, my bro- uh, my father brought me and my and my brother to our first pro game. You know, to watch them. My father was a, a very big Porto fan. I brought us to the stadium, and then, you know, slowly the, the passion and the love for that game started to develop. Would you consider your father your biggest coaching mentor, or do you have some others that, that really inspired you? Well, I would consider, no, I would consider my father to be the first one that brought me uh, the, the the love to this game, you know. But uh, I, I can't say that he was my coaching mentor because I was very small and a kid when he was coaching so I don't really remember his training sessions but what I do remember is uh, his leadership and his his passion for his players that the players were were very close to my father and that I remember very well. So then when was the the moment that you realized that, that you wanted to become a coach and I guess fall in your father's footsteps what sparked that for you? Oh I was I was young although I was playing in Portugal at the youth levels and I, I I loved playing. Um, I was only 16 years old when I was named uh, my high school uh, the high school coach, you know, for the for the for the team. So I was back then a player slash coach when I was 16, 17 years old, and uh, that was the first time, you know, I I got to pretty much lead a group uh, at the high school level in Portugal and start getting intrigued and interesting with with the coaching side. So I remember very well, even if I was playing and I realized early I, I wasn't going to become a top player, uh, I, I I started to, to gain that passion for, for the leadership methodology side and organizational side of coaching. And that brought, that brought me, I think it was the start there when I was maybe 16, 17 years old. What brought you back to to Canada to to coach? I guess in Montreal, and then before that. 
Well, first I went from Portugal. My father had business in Mont- in a Mozambique um, country in Africa, very you know border with South Africa, and uh, he had construction business there. So uh, when I was about 21, I went to Mozambique, where I stayed until I was 23 for for two two years and a half. I stayed with my father, where I played uh, in in Mozambique, and was a little bit. Uh, involved with the, the federation at the youth level and, and grassroots programs over there uh, with the FIFA Goal Project while I was helping out and working for my dad. So part-time in soccer, part-time with my dad, you know, trying to stay in the game. And then I went back to Canada just to try and get a chance to develop what I really wanted to do in the country where I was born um, so in 2003, 2004, I, I went back to, to Canada, uh, where I started coaching at the youth level, at club youth level, then, uh, became technical director of, uh, uh assistant to the technical director, sorry, of, uh, the uh, region of Lac Saint Louis, one of the biggest soccer regions in the, the province of Quebec and one of the biggest in, in Canada. And um, I stayed there for two, two, two years and a half, three years, where I developed and I helped develop a sports and study program and a youth, the youth programs of that region. Um, and it's when Nick DeSantis and the Montreal Impact got a little bit notice of the work I was doing. Uh, and surprisingly, I, I got a call to get the opportunity to coach the reserve team of the Montreal Impact back then playing in a city called Trois-Rivières, and uh, it was called the Attack of Trois-Rivières. That was my my first shot, I would tell you, of coaching a a, a senior group at at a good level. How much do you think growing up in Portugal and getting to spend time in Africa and different confederations has shaped your soccer mind? Uh, A lot, a lot. I, I wouldn't be, I think, who I am today if I didn't go through Portugal and, and South Africa and Mozambique, sorry. Uh, Portugal, you know, developed a lot my interest for coaching methodology and uh, the passion for the game and being in a country where soccer is the number one sport and everything that that, that is around, uh, that a lot of things evolve around soccer and, and being a fan for a certain club. Um, every morning, the daily sport, soccer newspaper and sports newspaper. So for many years, I was just involved in around all of that, high school team, a college team, um, youth team, you know, going every Sunday to watch my, my, my local team play. So all of that, you know, just brought me closer to the game. When I went to Mozambique, I got the opportunity to live with a different culture. Uh, I remember uh, when I played in, in Mozambique second division, there was only two white players uh, playing in the league back then. So I had to adapt to a total different culture, to total uh, different background. And I, I just fell in love with um, with another side of the game on how can you be uh, able or how are you able as a person, as a coach or as a player to just adapt to the culture where you where you are, and I think that's what gives me maybe today an easy way to move from a club or to to another or a country to another and adapt very quickly to the reality of the place where I am. 
so that helped me a lot for sure, traveling and being in those countries. You mentioned your first, I guess, big gig was the the Montreal Reserve team, but then one of your big early wins came with Montreal. So you've seen, I guess, the progression of the North American lower division soccer scene from 2009 to now. Uh, what has your experience been like, I guess, navigating the ever-complex and ever-changing U.S.-Canada soccer pyramid? Yeah, look, uh, the Montreal Impact, you know, was always always taught in a big way. You know, Joey Saputo was always a president and is a president that always looked for 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 things that are ambitious. And this is why he's, he's the owner of Bologna also. Uh, it shows his, his passion and commitment towards towards the game. So I was lucky uh, going from the attack of Trois-Rivières to get my first chance with the Montreal Impact. When the Montreal Impact was probably the biggest USL or NASL club back then. So we already had attendance of nine, ten, eleven thousand people in our game. So my first opportunity was, I would call it a big one and a, a club that allowed me to win uh, because it's, it's made or it's built to win, I would say. So when I had to leave the Montreal impact and, and then go to Brazil, it was again a shock in my life of a different culture, different reality, different environment that also helped me uh, big time grow as a coach. And then when I came back to Ottawa, I just saw right away because uh, I had been three years away from the NASL USL landscape being in Brazil. So when I came back already from year 2011 when I left the impact to 2014 there was already a big jump made in the second tier of North American soccer because uh, Louisville was already there Cincinnati was already arriving in the in the USL Tampa was there um, teams like the New York Cosmos were, were there you know bringing players like Raul and Marco Sena in so already in year 2011 to 14 was already a big jump. Uh, I, I had to readjust uh, building the Ottawa Fury, where the first year wasn't that easy. But but after learning again about how the league was made of and the type of players, uh, we were able to do something very, very good in 2015. You mentioned coaching in Brazil in the Brazilian youth leagues where you won another championship with Palmeiras. Can you talk a little bit, I guess, about the challenge and how competitive youth soccer is in Brazil and how difficult it is for young players and young coaches with how much pressure is on you? Yeah, look, it's a totally different world. You know, Brazilians are very proud. Um, you know, they keep on talking about how they won five World Cups and they're they're very proud of what they do, what they did, especially in soccer. So it's very difficult to be a, a, a coach that born in Canada or in the U.S. and trying to make your way in a club like Palmeiras that has 100 years of history, a winning club, big club, club with more than, I think, 15 million fans uh, in, in, in Sao Paulo and all of Brazil. So it's a huge image, a huge, a, a huge, a huge market, I would say, the market of Sao Paulo. So... It was a challenge from the start. Uh, I say a lot of, I, I said this story a lot of times when I arrived in Brazil and being Canadian because, yes, I spoke Portuguese. Yes, my background and my parents and I grew up in Portugal. But the truth is that I'm born in Montreal, Canada. So 
for the academy in Palmeiras and many coaches. And, and, and there's a lot of jealous people, unfortunately, in soccer uh, or in this the world we live in, in this business of sports. And right from the start, you know, this guy from Montreal, they play hockey. Uh, Canada is not a soccer nation. How come he's coaching one of the... Uh, of our youth team. So already there, it was very difficult. And I knew that the only, only way I would be able to survive in that market was by winning. And unfortunately it was, you know, I thought that even sometimes people were disrespectful uh, because of where I was from. And and that's the reality. You're not just saying the truth. And I actually was probably the championship that marked me the most, even if, Yes, I won professional championships, but winning a, winning a youth cup of, of Brazil, that is one of the biggest youth tournaments at that age group, uh, after everything that was saying said from me being from a ski nation or a hockey nation, was probably the, the, the biggest championship, I would say, that, that I ever won until now. It's amazing. And then you, you spent time in the NASL twice building brand new clubs, both with Ottawa and San Francisco. What did you learn? Did your time in that league teach you about you, the way U.S. soccer operates and about how difficult it is to build from scratch? Yeah, it's difficult if you don't have the model. It's difficult if you don't understand. Many coaches, many organizations speak about model, but I'm not sure they truly understand what that is. So, you know, in 2014, we had a vision in Ottawa uh, with a model of play, how we would progress and build the team. And that led to 2015, uh, winning the fall season and winning and, and losing in the final against the New York Cosmos 3-2 in New York. So uh, in those two years, I was able to learn a, a lot about the, the internal, I would call, salary cap of the club, the reality of the league, the profile of players in the league. Um, what it would take to win the league. So in those two years, I, I learned a lot. Myself and the staff that was involved with me learned a lot. And uh, we felt that we were so close to winning a championship. So when we arrived in San Francisco, again, with that white sheet, no players, we had already a very good baggage of experience based on, on the Ottawa experience, right? So arriving in San Francisco was easier, I would say, for us just to go get the right pieces to try and win something. And and that's what happened. So we felt that, you know, the two years of what we learned in Ottawa was definitely important to build the roster uh, that allowed us to win the championship in San Francisco. Yeah, so talking about that championship last year with the Deltas, what was that moment like for you to win such a big trophy against a big club in the New York Cosmos, but all the while knowing that you probably wouldn't get to work with that group of guys again, and that would be the last time you worked together on the field with them? It was very special, uh, very special, unique. I will never forget it. It's, it's going to be something that will mark and stay with me all, all of my life. The people in San Francisco, the staff, the people in the office, you know, I can't name everybody now, but the people in the office that even when they, they knew of what was going to happen with the club, always worked in the same way, with the same passion, uh, the staff, the players. And 
how special it was to go all the way. We believed in what we had as, as a club. You know, we knew that uh, whatever would happen with the club, that this was our only chance with this group of players to do something special, regardless what 2018 would be or 2019. We, we said to ourselves, now we're in 2017. It's probably the only time that these 22, 23 guys are going to be together with this staff in this, in this place. So let's make something special happen. We focused on that. We worked every way and every day in a relentless way. What was special is we we knew about what was going to happen in June. And I have to say that from June to the end of the season, players worked with the same level of intensity in every single training session. And that was special. That was special to see. Nobody cheated, and it, it was more than deserved uh, to win the championship with that group of players. Absolutely. And then just to, to change things up a little bit here, you, on Twitter you seem to be watching a lot of European games, especially Portuguese coaches and Portuguese players. Or do you have any league team coaching style that you particularly enjoy watching, or do you just try to take it all in? No, look, I, I, I watch a lot of, uh, of soccer, and of course that – you know, my background being Portuguese, I follow a lot of the Portuguese league, but um, I was a big fan of what a coach like Mauricio Sari did with Napoli, the style of play with Napoli, uh, what he's trying to implement with um, with Chelsea. I think every coach is special or is able to bring you something in a different season. Um, Jose Mourinho is a coach that was able to bring uh, me a lot of good ideas when it came to training methodology, especially uh, in his time with with FC Porto. I, I, I've learned the tons reading and 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 listening to stories about how Carlo Ancelotti managed some situations at uh, at Milan uh, when he was European, when he became European champion. Uh, like I said, a coach like Mauricio Sarri at Napoli. So I think. Uh, every coach, uh, or even Pep Guardiola with with Man City, in some aspects of how he sees the game. So every coach in a in a, in a different moment, in a different season, uh, brings you something uh, as a coach. So um, I'm I'm open, very open to different type of ideas, and every very open to to listen to different type of stories that could help me become a better coach. And then I guess not too long ago, the 2026 World Cup was awarded to the United Bid, and that includes Canada. As a Canadian, uh, what does it mean to you to think that Canada gets a chance to host the biggest tournament in the world? So I've seen, I've seen Canada or soccer in Canada growing from um, from 2008 or 2007 until now. You know, 2007 is. First year, I coached the reserve team of the Montreal Impact. And from 2007 to now, 2018, it's scary. It's scary how in 10 years, things develop. It's scary in a very good way. You know, to have Toronto FC being so a club with so much impact in, in MLS, to have Vancouver, the Vancouver Whitecaps being the club that it is since, since the USL times and, and, and now growing in MLS. I remember with the Montreal Impact, I, I would sometimes have to jump 
uh, over fences with the players to train. We would actually jump fences to, to train. And, and now Montreal has an incredible training facility with an academy. You know, in 2007, you would think that, that there's no chance that would happen. Uh, so our soccer is growing in Canada. It's very encouraging. And now with the, the Canadian Premier League, with having the Ottawa Fury uh, being a team still in USL, and, and all of that is making the, the sport grow. So I think that um, the World Cup being also awarded to, to Canada uh, is, uh, is a sign about the sport is growing in, in the country. You mentioned the Canadian Premier League there. Um, how important is it, in your opinion, to see Canada start to create their own professional league outside of Major League Soccer? And how successful do you think it can be? It's important because players have... Um, some players, their margin of progression is just faster or slower than others. Every Everybody's path and their development is different. And there's... Canadian players that maybe didn't get a chance to play in MLS or don't get a chance to, to play in the USL or, or back then in the NASL, but still have very good qualities, but no place to progress. Uh, and I believe that now the, the, the Canadian Premier League is going to give the, the possibility to those players to continue progressing and who knows become uh, special players and players that can have the level to go from CPL to MLS or or CPL to other levels, and it's gonna it's gonna create that bridge to, to to higher levels. And I think that's what what Canada needed in regards to the league. I just hope it's a league that's gonna be there in ten, fifteen, twenty years from now. That's what I hope. I really hope that happens. I hope it's a league that. It's going to come in, but come in to stay and grow and create history. Because unfortunately, unfortunately, I've seen and I've lived way too many situations in North America of leagues disappearing, of clubs disappearing. And that's, that's where I think that, that maybe I'm still skeptical a little bit when it comes to that. Yeah, that's fair. I think we... As soccer fans around North America of lower leagues, we all kind of feel that. Um, but now you're currently working at LAFC, coaching with Bob Bradley, and arguably just top to bottom, one of the best coaching staffs uh, in Major League Soccer with yourself and Anthony Razoff. What has your experience like been working with Bob in LAFC? It's a fantastic experience. Uh, Bob is, you know, I, I, I said it, you know, in other interviews, never mind the coach. You know, the coach is, is one thing, but the most important is the person. You know, Bob is a fantastic man, a great guy. Um, a guy that I know if, if one day I leave LAFC, uh, you know, I'm going to want to keep him as a friend because not only not only he brings uh, unity to the staff, he brings unity to the team, but he's also a, 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 a person that is very concerned with, with the life of people outside soccer, you know, and it's a side of him that I didn't know. I only knew Bob from him being a coach, him winning or losing, and that's what people see outside, you know, but I have to, to say that it as it is, you know, I'm I'm happy that I've got to to meet the, the, the personal, the man and the, the 
the person he is, and I'm learning a lot on on that side. Uh, we get along well. Uh, of course, that every coach that comes from a very different background, like me and Bob, uh, we we will always have a little bit of our differences. But that's very healthy in the in in a staff. If a staff is made only of people that do and think the same way, well, nobody's challenging each other, and then you're not able to progress as a coach. And I'm happy that we're able to have healthy discussions, open discussions, make the team grow. Uh, he's very clear on what he wants from his staff, so everything is black and white, and it's been a great experience to be here. How much do you think your experience building the Deltas in Ottawa from scratch has helped you in the LAFC coaching room? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just try to be myself and bring and bring everything I can to the table and have my, my opinions from what I've lived in, in different years and different places. But I think because I've been around so many expansion teams, I just do things in a natural way. So it's tough for me to answer that question. And then, I guess, um, how difficult can the life of a coach be, knowing, just thinking about your career so far, where you've, you've had to move around year after year after year? What keeps you so motivated? You know, that's one of the best questions that, that you could ask, because uh, so many people, when they talk with coaches, they talk a lot about football, they talk about uh, clubs, about experiences. But they don't talk about, for me, the most important thing, and it's the one you mentioned right now. You know, a lot of times people see the coach and TV and the final product of where he is, but they don't talk a lot about the process. And what I could tell young coaches is it's a very, very difficult process. It's a process of sometimes you don't have a lot of friends. It's a, it could be a lonely life. Uh, it could be a life where you don't have stability. You're you're moving from place to place, you know, so you can really um, develop a relationship, a huge relationship, because sometimes you're in a place two years and then you move on. And that has been, I would say, my life. But what keeps me motivated is the support I get from my wife and my kids. You know, they've been incredible supportive. They, they believe in what I'm doing. Uh, they want me to progress and to, to get to the, to the highest pl- uh, spots possible uh, in this game. And that's what keeps me going. You know, I have kids and I have a family that I want to support and give the best I can. Uh, I'm involved with, in a sport that I love, in a job that I love doing. Uh, but it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not all perfect. It's not all that what you see in TV, and it's not all about glory and fame. That's just very superficial. The reality is that there's a process behind, there's time behind, there's sacrifice behind, there's sometimes taking, or a lot of times taking uncomfortable decisions that are part of it, and that's the reality of, uh, of this job. What's one piece of advice you'd give to a young aspiring coach then? I, I I would tell him be be ready to pay a price. You know, be ready to be in uncomfortable places. Uh, be ready to be um, sometimes in places that you lack the minimum to succeed. Uh, but at the end, you always have to keep your eyes on the final goal. 
if you are staying the final goal that you want as a coach, well, you know that every little thing is going to be is going to make you better. Uh, I remember going from the Montreal Impact before I went to to Palmeiras. I went to a club called Primeira Camisa, where the grass would would come almost to my knee where we trained. You know, of course, I'm exaggerating, but it was very very uncomfortable. But but I knew that. My, my final goal was to try to have a minimum of success in Brazil and at the youth level. So you 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 must understand as a young coach that you're gonna hear a lot of times a lot of no's, uh, a lot of doors that are gonna close in front of you. Sometimes it's gonna be very uncomfortable. Sometimes you will say no to a certain job where you paid more to make minimum salary coaching. But if your eyes stay on the final goal and on the final price that you have, that you want, well, every little sacrifice and every little step on the, in the process is going to make you better, is going to make you stronger, and it's going to lead you to your final goal. So if you don't mind asking, what for you is that ultimate final goal in, in your aspirations? I want to coach, you know, I want to coach at the highest level possible. And, uh, and, 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 and I don't know where, where that's going to bring me. I try not to think about it, Tom, because the mistake is also if you become obsessed by something, well, you miss on what you're doing today. So, yes, maybe, maybe I'm going to, my goal is to be the best the best on where, where I am today. And my focus today is to be the best help I can to Bob Bradley and LAFC. That's my goal today. But of course, that, you know, my final vision and my final goal is to coach at the highest level possible. And I'm not sure what that is for me. Just the one last question is many players I've talked to always refer to you as the ultimate players coach. How do you balance being, I guess, a player's friend and mentor while also being a, a good coach and tough and get them to work? Well, I'm, uh, how can I answer that? I, you know, I, it's not an acting. It needs to be natural. Uh, maybe I'm close to players or I'm able to, to create a bond with players because I'm real with them. Uh, you know, above all, yes, I'm a coach, but I'm also a father. I'm also an husband, and I think that that line of respect is important. But if players feel that you respect them for who they are and you have a vision as a coach on what you want to do with your team, well, then that level of respect is going to be on the field. It's going to be in every training session. And for me, that's what's important. It's Yes, you're, you're leading a group of players, but you're also leading a group of men that have feelings, that have um, that have their own dreams, and 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 for me, above all, I want to be known as uh, not only a coach that was able to win, lose, or draw, but 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 a little bit more than that for for the players I coach. I think that's important in the in the society and the culture you live today. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think you. You made that clear the way you treated the fans here in the Bay Area. They still show up to support you in L.A. with Delta scarves and whatnot. So I think it's awesome what you're doing. And I truly enjoy the, your talking to you today. Thanks so much for the time. 
Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, and uh, any any time you 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 need, and if any young coach wants to to get in touch with me and ask for advice, you know, I I want to give back to them. So whatever you guys need. Thanks so much for taking the time today, Mark. I truly appreciate the time. Good luck the rest of the season. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. That was Mark Dos Santos, assistant coach at LAFC. That's all for this show. We hope you join us again next time. And until then, keep supporting the viewers.